Oh, Lord God, uh, we're here today because we're hungry, and you alone have the words of life. Jesus, you are the bread of life, and we want to be nourished by you. And so we pray that your word will come to us, your life will come to us, you'll pour your spirit and refresh us and revive us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, today we're starting this series, Getting Started. And this morning we're getting things started for our seven confirmands. We're going to declare their discipleship uh, to Jesus, and they're going to uh, per, uh, make their partnership promise to Faith Westwood. And so uh, you're going to get to uh, be a part of that here at the end of the service. Um, I remember when I, when I, when I was younger, four, I think I was 14 years old, my, my parents said that, Steve, you can't get your school permit until you have taken driver's ed. And so I was 14 then that summer when I took uh, driver's ed class uh, from Mr. Hansen. And uh, uh, during the, the, we had class sessions first, and then that's where we learned all the driving laws and, and road etiquette and operation of a vehicle. And we, all, we even learned how to, to budget a road trip. Uh, and then, of course, we had to listen to all of Mr. Hansen's uh, stories of his glory days as a quarterback in high school. So, well, uh, once all the classwork was done, then it was time to get in the car and get on the road. And so in my group, there were three of us students, and we alternated driving, and of course, Mr. Hansen. Well, I remember one time, we, I was in the back seat, and one of the other students was driving and took a corner, a turn, way too fast. I mean, just didn't judge it at all. And, and Mr. Hansen slammed on the bra his brake. He's got his own special brake pedal on his side of the car, turned over, grabbed the wheel, and kept us from flying off the road. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a close call, but he had it all in hand, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, I would, I, I would like one of you students to come up, and I'm going to need a microphone here, uh, for, a, for a driving lesson. Yeah, I told, you, I told you on Wednesday that one of you would have to volunteer. So who's it going to be? Who's, who's it going to be? Okay, well, it's going to be Katie. All right. Okay. So, uh, <coughs> Katie, this is your uh, driving lesson. So I'm going to need you. you. Never driven a car before. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see how you do. Put on your uh, seatbelt, if you would. There you go. And put your hands on the wheel. Oh, perfect. And you won't need to hold the mic because I'll do it for you, okay? Because we want you to have your hands in the wheel, right? Okay. So, actually, what I didn't tell you is that this isn't really a driving lesson. This is your quiz. Oh, good. There you go. Okay. So, uh, so you are driving down the road, and when your cell phone rings, what do you do? A, text them to not call while you're driving, or B, let it ring and check it when you're stopped. B, let it ring and check it while I'm stopped. Okay, very good. Thank you. Very good. All right. Now, there are only four questions, and that was the first one. So, uh, number two, you're driving down the street. You've got to have your hands on the wheel. You're, 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 you're driving down the street, yeah, and you see, and you hear a siren, and you check your rearview mirror up here. See that? Okay. And, uh, and, you, and, and you see a, a fire truck flashing lights. And so what do you do? A, pull off to the right side of the street and wait for the fire truck to pass. Or B, drive faster to stay ahead of the fire truck. 
okay. <laughs> okay, very good. Another excellent one. All right, number three. Hands on the wheel. There she good. Which of the following is an appropriate purpose of a car horn? A, alerting the other driver of your presence when their car drifts too close to yours, or B, telling the jerk in front of you to speed up because you're late for school? A. A, very good. All right, Katie, this is the last one. This is going to be the difference between passing and failing right here, okay? Okay, number four, when you've pulled, been pulled over by a law enforcement officer who is now walking up to your vehicle... What do you do? A, work up some tears in an attempt to create leniency. Or B, pull out your driver's license, registration, and proof of insurance. B. B, very good. You have passed. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Okay. Well, Dad, I think she's ready to go. What do you think? Okay. <laughs> Now, I can't remember what grade I got in, uh, in driver's ed, but I remember that I passed. But let me tell you, the purpose of driver's ed is not just to pass the class. The purpose of driver's ed is to help you get ready to drive out on your own. Right? And it's the same with confirmation class. I mean, you all did a lot of stuff. You, you took the classes with your parents, and you took notes on Sunday messages, and you went to Faith Walk, and you completed a project. But the purpose of confirmation class is not just to finish and pass the class. The purpose of it is to prepare you so you can take it out and drive it on your own. Are you ready to start driving? Are you, do you know that Jesus is with you and that he's guiding you all the way? You know, I was just figuring this up, that it was 50 years ago when I took confirmation class. And why did I go to confirmation class? Because my mom said, you're going. And, and I remember that I didn't hate it. Uh, the only thing, I don't really remember much about confirmation class. I only remember one thing. The pastor said that if you had no bread, no juice, and if all you had was Coke and potato chips, you could do that for communion. I thought, oh, cool. <laughs> but you see, the purpose isn't how much I remember of the class. The purpose is in starting a life with, with Jesus and for Jesus and in Jesus. So, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 21. Uh, we're going to start with verse 3. It's on page 1088 if you're using the Pew Bible. And uh, I also want to say, if you wish you had a Bible of your own at home to read, we want to help you out with that. Uh, we're not giving away the Pew Bibles anymore because we found out we can't order any more of these. But we have other Bibles, brand new Bibles, uh, in in the, at the Connection Center right next to the elevator. A little display of them, and you don't have to ask, you don't have to sign, you don't have to do, do anything. Just grab one, take it home, and we will be thrilled. Okay. Now, chapter 21 in John's Gospel makes, it actually makes the most sense to me if it's, that, if it's been a few weeks since Jesus has shown up to his disciples, okay? And, and they don't know if they're going to see him again or not. Like maybe he's not coming back to, to see it, to show himself anymore. So anyway, they, they were down in Judea, down in the southern part around Jerusalem. 
But now they're back north in Galilee, probably near Capernaum, which is the hometown of Simon Peter and also the Zebedee brothers, James and John. Uh, Capernaum's on the northwest shore of the lake. Here's, here's actually a picture of, of sunrise on that lake. Isn't that something? Well, the Bible calls that the Sea of Galilee. And so it might have been on a morning that looks something like that when all this happened. And that day, seven of the disciples are together. And, of course, they're thinking, okay, before we were following Jesus all around, and he, he kind of was in charge, and, and he's not here anymore, so now what do we do? I mean, they, they just seem kind of lost. Now what? So today, I'm going to talk about three things. And, and right now, I want to teach you part of each one of those, okay? The, don't freak. Stick together. God will use me. So I'm going to ask you if you just repeat them after me, one at a time, okay? Don't freak. Stick together. God will use me. Okay. So let's look at verse 3. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter said, told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out. They got in the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Maybe Simon is thinking back to a few years earlier to the time when he met Jesus after another night of fruitless fishing. And Jesus talked him into taking the boat out one more time. This time with Jesus in the boat. And, and of course, you may know that they, they caught so many fish, they, they, their net couldn't hold them all. Well, that day, a few years ago, right there on the boat, Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, from now on, you will be fishing for people. Well, that was a few years ago. And now Simon's thinking, well, where's Jesus? What am I supposed to do now? And maybe he's wondering, you know, I think Jesus got the wrong guy. Maybe I've disappointed him too many times. He doesn't trust me anymore. Maybe I should just go back to fishing for fish. Well, here's what I want to tell you, all of my fellow disciples, my fellow followers. Don't freak out when you feel far from Jesus. Don't freak out when you feel far from Jesus, because you may go through times like that. I think we all do. You may go through times when we, we doubt that God is real, or you may doubt that Jesus is alive, or you may have doubt about yourself, which is what a lot of us go through. You may, you may feel like, you know, I, I just feel like I'm a failure. I have. You know, in the previous chapter, John, the, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to his disciples, and one of the things he told them, he says, guys, I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. You've got the message. You know what I want. You, you know all the things to say. You know all the things I want you to do. Now go. And look at them now. They're not going to anybody. It's, it's like they've just given up. You know, they've gone back to their pre-Jesus life. And confirmation students, I want to say to you, once you enter high school in a, in a few months, your life is probably going to ramp up some more. You're going to face more pressures, pressures about grades and pressures about, you know, do I, I need more money and pressures, you know, I'm doing what everybody else is doing. And, and if you're not careful, life with Jesus will get set off to the side. 
And then eventually you'll wonder if it was ever real at all. I want to tell you, don't freak out when you feel far from him. He's still with you. You know, I, when I first came here to Faith Westwood, there was a plant in my office. I, I inherited it from Doug, my predecessor, I guess. It was a Schefflera plant. And you know, those are really hard to kill, kill. But when you never water it, it can happen. <laughs> well, last, last August for my birthday, the staff gave me an ivy plant. And, uh, you know, I've got, it, when I got it, it only had like three or four leaves on it. And now I can see at the bottom, three or four of them are dead. But I, it's, it's been popping up with new leaves. Now I've got nine. See this little baby one right there? Isn't that really nine? Yeah. And so every once in a while I take it around to the staff and I show them, hey, look at my plant. I set it on the windowsill. I water it every Friday. Every Friday morning I water it. And, uh, and, and so anyway, uh, when you feel far from Jesus, don't freak out. Just keep watering it, okay? And by that, I mean do the things that help you grow. Open your Bible. Get a devotional book and read it. Ask Jesus to, to change your heart when, when some, you feel something dark in there, you know? Talk to him about whatever's going on in your life. Listen for the Holy Spirit to lead you in all of your decisions. Worship God from your heart. And when you do these things, it's like pouring water on a, on a dry plant, and it nourishes it and brings life to it. So the disciples, they set out for this night of fishing. It was, it was spring. It was actually about this time of year. And uh, Simon, you know, he hasn't forgotten how to fish. I mean, he, knew, he still knows all the good spots where the fish, where he can find a lot of fish, and he still knows how to cast that net out just right so the fish swim into it and he knows just how to draw it in so the fish don't slip away but some nights the fish just seem to be hiding and that night they must have I'm guessing cast that net out a hundred times nothing and they're exhausted well early morning light filters into the sky and from the boat, they see someone standing out on the shore about 100 yards out. Follow me at verse 5, will you? He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? Or we might say, catch anything? No, they answered. Verse 6 starts out. He, that is the person on the shore, said, Throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Well, they could have said, what do you think you know? You're not the boss of me. We're the, we're the professional fishermen, right? But they guess, well, maybe he can see something from the shore that they can't see. So they, they throw their nets on the other side, and it says, when they did, you follow with me? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And suddenly, like that, a light goes on 
in the minds of one of Simon's fishing buddies. Now, this is the guy who's anonymously identified in this gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's kind of like he doesn't want to even say his name because it's, you know, I, I'm just somebody Jesus loves, right? Uh, and he's probably the main person behind this gospel. So, verse 7 begins, The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. It's Jesus. Now, notice that, that even though they're not doing what Jesus told them to do, at least they're sticking together. And that's when they see Jesus. So here's the next thing uh, and I, that we have to say, and I want you to all say it with me, will you? Sticking together will keep us closer to Jesus. If the disciples had have all split up apart and, and, and gone their separate ways, I don't think they would have met Jesus on the, boat that mo- on the beach that morning. Or they might not have recognized him if he had shown up. But Jesus made himself known to them because they had stuck together. And if we're going to live the Jesus life, we've got to stick together. You know, that's why the, Bi- the New Testament is full of so many one another's. You know what the one another's are? Uh, they're all the times that, that, that we're told as, as Jesus' people to do something with, for or with, with one another. Well, I want to I share a whole bunch of them with you, and this isn't all of them. Encourage one another. Care, carry burdens for one another. Be patient with one another. Build up one another. Confess your sins to one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Serve one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Show hospitality to one another. And over and over, love one another. Whew. We got a lot of one anothering to do. I mean, that is a big part of this whole life together with Jesus. Sticking together will keep us closer to him. So what I'm saying is, you need Jesus, friends, in your life. You need people one anothering you. And they need you to one another them. And that's one reason why we have so many groups in our church. We just kind of feel like that's the way it's got to happen. So we have small groups for our children. We have small groups for our students. We have small groups for adults. And, and the more one anothering we do, the better those groups are. Right? I mean, if we don't do very much one anothering, then those groups probably aren't very healthy and life-giving. But the more one anothering we do the better they are, the, the, the better they, the more strength in life that God gives to us through them. Uh, and so I say, don't give up. Don't quit. You, there, there are people who need you and you need them. Sticking together will keep us closer to Jesus. Well, when Simon Peter hears that it's Jesus, uh, what does he do? He, he, he dives into the water. He, he swims or wades or whatever he does to the, to the shore to see Jesus while the other uh, six are rowing, <laughs> you know, and uh, get the boat back. And, uh, you know, I think it's cool that when they get there, I really like this picture that Jesus has already fixed breakfast for them. Come on, guys. You know, he's got a fire going, and the fire's already sort of dwindled down, so it's got the hot coals really good for cooking, you know. And he's warming up some bread for him. He's got some fish that's all ready to go, ready to eat. And then uh, Peter goes back and counts the fish that they've just caught in the nets. 
Do you remember the number? Yeah, let's look in verse, uh, verse 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. Oh, strong guy. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Uh, Friday evening, Trish and I went to a presentation at Fontenelle Forest. Now, that's not Fontenelle, Camp Fontenelle, Fremont. This is Fontenelle Forest in Bellevue. Went to a presentation by Noah Stricker, who in one year spotted and documented 6,042 bird species throughout the world. That was a world record at the time. And uh, how does he know how many he spotted? He counted them, right? He counted them. And, and, and if you ask me how we know that there were 153 fish in that net, well, I'd give the same answer. I think Simon Peter counted them. I mean, when you set a personal record, you want to know. You want to, you know, if you're going to have a fish story you can brag about, you better count them. And that huge catch of fish was Jesus' way of saying to these guys, to these disciples, God still wants to use you to bring people in. You know, just like he said with the, with the fish, you know, Jesus said to Simon, from now on, you brought in a lot of fish, now you're going to be fishing for people. Now this big catch of fish is reminding them of that. I still have a calling on your life. So let's say this one together, shall we? God will use me to bring others closer to Jesus. So do you believe that? I'm, I'm kind of looking at you students here. Do you give me a little eye contact here? Do you believe that's true? I think it is. I've been thinking about you seven. I've been praying for you. You know, we have... Right now, we have 84 people in our church who have said, I'm going to try to learn to be a blessed friend every day. What does that mean? What's a blessed friend? Well, you look at the banners. We talk about those every Sunday. And those are our five blessed practices. So uh, being a blessed friend means that you're going to try, there's somebody in your life you're going to be a blessed friend for who uh, you care about, and uh, maybe they, they don't believe in God or they don't have a relationship with Jesus or they're not connected to a church, something, and you're just going to be that kind of friend for them and God might do something with that friendship. You know, you're going to begin, you're going to pray for them, begin with prayer, listen to, with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. Now, our goal is to try to do these, these blessed practices with some, a few people in our lives every day. Now, for me, I think most of the days it's, it's just pray. But other days, I have opportunities to do other things. Uh, and I look at you students, and I imagine that collectively in your lifetimes, the seven of you, maybe you would help 153 people come to know Jesus. I mean, that would be about 22 for each one of you. Does that sound like a lot? I don't know. Maybe it's not enough. But that you would be a part of that. I don't know what that number is going to be. Maybe it'll be 53, maybe it'll be 1,053. But God is going to use you. Now, I don't want to pressure you about it, and I certainly don't want you pressuring other people about it because it's not our job to save the world, right? It's Jesus' job. 
But, he, but God is going to use you. God is going to work through you to bring others closer to Jesus. Uh, and just so you know and all of you know, next Sunday we're going to have a lunch after worship. We'll have the lunch from about 12 to 12.30. And then from 12.30 to 1, is, we do this a few times a year where we just talk about what does it mean to be a blessed friend. And we just kind of encourage each other with it, uh, share some stories. I give a, a, a very short kind of instruction on it. But just sort of an encouragement about, okay, we're learning how to be a blessed friend. And so you can come to that. You don't have to let us know in advance. Just show up. We may sign you up. And because our goal is to have over 100 people uh, sometime this year who are saying, yeah, I'm going to try to do that, to be a, learn how to be a blessed friend every day. You know, there's another uh, thing, meaning that we might have about those 153 fish. And that is, back in ancient times, in some circles, uh, there were some who thought that 153 was all the species of fish. Well, of course, we know that's not true now. But, you know, they didn't, of the, of the fish that people had counted in that area, that's what they had come up with, at least for some of, some of them. And so 153 fish might have had an extra significance in thinking that it represented all the kinds of people that, that God is going to bring to Jesus. And so those 153 fish may represent people from all over the world. Think about it. All, all colors, all languages, all nations, everywhere. I also think that sometimes students and kids may feel like I'm too young to have really have any influence on anybody. I think I'll wait till I get older. And I want to tell you, don't, don't think of it that way. Because there are some, the people that you know, this might be their most receptive time in their lives. You know, someone that you can just say, hey, I'm, pray, I'm praying for you. I know you've been going through a hard time. That might make all the difference in the world. Somebody say, you know, I know, uh, you know, if you've ever thought about going to, to church on Easter, you can come with me or Christmas or whenever. Yeah, just come along. We'll pick you up or we'll meet you there or whatever you want to say. You know, sometimes it can be very small things can make a big difference. I remember when, uh, just a little older than you, and uh, one of my classmates, I overheard this, said that she had had a headache, and so she was praying about that for God to help her headache to go away. I thought, wow, I don't think I would have ever thought of that. And somehow that started a little something in me. And I thought, why does she take God more seriously than I do? Why does she reach out to God when I wouldn't think of it? And God used that. Even in little ways, God will use you. Um, so, anyway, many of you have friends who are searching for something. They just don't know what. So here's what I have to say today. Don't freak. Stick together. God will use me. Don't freak. Stick together. God will use me. Let's say those three together, shall we? Don't freak, stick together, God will use me. Let's pray. 
Oh, Lord God, uh, sometimes we want life to be all, I want it to be mine. I want it to be my way and my being, I want to be in charge of it. And, and here we're saying, okay, Jesus, we're, we're letting go. You can be in charge of it. And uh, that's hard to do. And so, Lord, sometimes uh, if we start to take it back, remind us that it's, you, you're living life with you and for you and in you. And, and that's really what the best life is. And so, Lord, uh, we ask that you'll remind us to not freak out when we feel scared or full of doubts or worries and um, to stick together with uh, other, other followers and we can encourage one another. And, um, Lord, we pray that you'll just show us how you work through us every day and uh, how cool and exciting that can be. So, Lord, I, we ask your blessing upon these students as they uh, step into this life and into this role in a more serious, uh, committed way. And, and, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.